Good evening, church. If you'll take your Bibles, go with me to the book of Job tonight, the book of Job. And uh, yes, I've known your pastor for a lot of years, and that was 20 years ago in uh, 2003. And so um, if you would like to hear a story, come and see me. And I might be able to give you one or two. He might not want me to give you a story. But uh, we made a deal. He won't say anything about me, and I won't say anything about him. So we'll just leave it at that. Uh, but I appreciate the opportunity to be with you uh, for this particular missions conference. And uh, I can already tell the heart of missions. And a lot of folks are missions-minded, but not missions-hearted. And it only goes here and doesn't go here. And there's a big difference between the two. And I can sense already, uh, just by listening and talking and hearing conversations, uh, that missions is more than just a, a three-day meeting that takes place uh, once a year. And uh, it is something that drives and is the passion. And obviously that is because that's who God is. And uh, he wants to reach the world with the gospel. Thank you for the many areas in which you've been involved in. I know you do have done a seed line project. And of course, Bearing Precious Seed is out of our church. And uh, I want to thank you for doing that. We have several hundred churches that do that each year. And uh, that allows us to get a lot of John and Romans out Because we can't keep up with the pace. We can print them fast enough, but we cannot um, collate them and staple them and get them ready and get them out. We don't have the machinery. And so we found that churches uh, will do what you have done, and that is we'll come in and uh, you take the responsibility of doing that. That helps us. We uh, do about six million that way every year. And uh, so it really allows us to be able to do our John and Romans that way. And then in-house, we focus a lot on New Testaments and whole Bibles. And uh, that's our quest. And so I'll tell you a little bit about uh, different areas of our ministry here and there. But I wanted to thank you for being involved um, for in that particular area. Go with me to Job 23. You say, Preacher, I don't know if you've ever heard a missions uh, message out of the book of Job Uh, Probably not, or maybe not. Uh, Maybe you have. I just want to go there as a starting spot in the book of Job, in the 23rd chapter of the book of Job. We'll just use this as a a place to launch from. And it was because this is a verse of Scripture that I read. And in reading this verse of Scripture, it took me to the truth and the presentation and the message that I'd like to give to you tonight. And that is Job 23. And verse number 16, Job 23, 16. For God maketh my heart soft, and the Almighty troubleth me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, I thank you for yourself. I thank you for what you have done and what you're doing and what you always do. For Lord, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. What you did... In the past, we can learn from so that we know you will do it in the present and you're going to do it in the future. And so, Lord, I thank you for your word. Thank you that you give us examples, you give us truths, you give us principles that, Lord, we are to live by and we're to form and fashion our lives. You said to those along the seashore, follow me and I'll make you to become fishers of men. And so, Lord, help us to become what you'd have us to become and Lord, I pray that you'd help us to follow you uh, so that we understand what's that, what that means in our lives. And that is that we might be like you. And so, Lord, why would we not be mission-minded 
because you left the portals of glory and came in search. You came to seek and to save that which is lost. Thus, then our responsibility ought to be to seek and to save that which is lost. And Lord, they st- they're around us everywhere. And uh, they're in our workplaces, they're in our schools, they're in our neighborhoods. And Lord, they're around the world. So our responsibility is in all of those. And Lord, thank you for yourself. Lord, I love you tonight. Thank you for your goodness. Bless this church and his pastor and his family. I pray that you continue to use them. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. I go to this particular passage of scripture tonight because um, when you, my really my thought is this, when we would see the character of our God, it would change the manner of our life. If we would see the character of God, it would change the manner of our life. So when we think about a worthy manner or a worthy way and worthy deeds or a doing something in the right way, a view of God is that which may determine that or help us to understand what that might look like. And so as I was reading, I read this verse. It says, for God maketh my heart soft and the almighty troubleth me. I did then a quick study. And what I found is I did a quick glance through the Bible that this word or this usage of the name almighty is used 57 times in the Bible. But I found that 32 of those times is in the book of Job. So here's what I did. I studied the book of Job, not for the sake of finding Job was a man of patience. And I could learn from Job how to respond to tragedy and difficulty and sorrow. But I studied the book of Job to find God. And so I read it in light of God instead of Job. So when I look at chapter number one, Job was a a man who feared God and eschewed evil. But the, the real story of Job is God. And the one who is really identified or marked or revealed in the book of Job is God. You can find so much about the character of God in the book of Job. And so 32 times he uses this word almighty. Then I continued on of the 57 times I found that Genesis used the almighty six times. And I found that Revelation used the the name almighty eight times. You say, now what does that mean? It simply means this. Out of the 57 times uh, that the phrase or the name of almighty is used in the Bible... It is used in three books. It is used in the book of Genesis. It is used in the book of Job. And it is used in the book of Revelation. It doesn't demean the fact that the others didn't use it. But it does identify that there must be something in why he did use it. So why in Genesis is he seen as almighty? Why in Job is he seen as almighty? And why in Revelation is he seen as almighty? Yes, we do know that Ruth spoke of him. She said, call me not uh, Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt bitterly with me. So we do know that she used it once. And there are a few other places. Numbers uses it once. Once in the book of Exodus, 
two times in the book of Psalm, once in the book of Isaiah, two times in the book of Ezekiel, once in Joel, and then one other time in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So it drew my attention to this thought. If God in his word, which is preserved for us, used his name in these particular three books, then what about his name is he trying to teach me about himself in these three books? So what do I want to learn from them? Go with me now, if you would, back to uh, the book of Genesis, if I could. Go back to the book of Genesis. When you're going back to Genesis, I told you that at one time, uh, it is used in the book of Exodus. So on your way to Genesis, stop at Exodus chapter number 6, And go to verse number 3. It's the only time it's used in the book of Exodus. But it explains something about the Almighty in the book of Genesis. Look what he says in Exodus chapter number 6 and verse number 3. He said, I appeared unto Abraham and Isaac and unto Jacob. Watch this. I appeared unto them by the name of God Almighty. Now listen to the next phrase. But by my name, Jehovah, was I not known to them. So God revealed a character quality of himself to three people that he mentions in Exodus chapter number 6 that are found in the book of Genesis. And that is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So if you were to go and study Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you would find this truth. Go with me to Genesis chapter number 17. Genesis chapter number 17. And let's find where it tells us that that, that each of these men had an encounter with the Almighty. In other words, God's character comes out in the character of Almighty. You say, what he is talking about, preacher? Why would you mention Almighty as to God? Or it's like God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We know we're talking about one God, but we do know that the, the names give us a character about God. And the name Almighty is used specifically for a purpose. In Genesis chapter number 17, go to verse number one. It says, When Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am, would you mark it, the almighty God. The almighty God. In other words, in Exodus, when he said that Abraham met the character of God in that form of the almighty God. In other words, the all-powerful God. Here's primarily what I came across with in the book of Genesis. And I don't have time to to unfold all of it. But you would find, if you go back to Genesis chapter 26, you would find out that Isaac met the Almighty. Go with me, if you would, over uh, to chapter number 38 and go to verse number 3. 38 and verse number 3, if you would. 38 and verse number 3. Oh, I got wrote down the wrong verse. That's the way it works, isn't it? Let's try 28 verse 3. And if that one don't work, we'll keep finding another one that has an 8. How about that? Let's go to 28 and verse number 3. In 28 and verse 3, now remember, Abraham, God came to him as the Almighty. Here in Genesis chapter 23, and Isaac called Jacob. 
blessed him and charged him and said in him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Panram, to the house of Bethel, thy, fa- thy, thy mother's father. Take thee a wife from thence, of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. And God Almighty bless thee. So we find Abraham is addressed by God as God Almighty. We find out that Isaac is addressed by God as God Almighty. If we were to go to Genesis chapter number 35, you would find this to be true. Jacob is addressed by God Almighty. So what is he telling us in the book of Genesis? I believe he's simply stating this. God is showing in the book of Genesis that the Almighty has a plan. The Almighty has a plan. So the plan is what? The plan is that he's going to make of him, he wanted a nation. Where is he going to get that nation from? Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Israel and the 12 tribes. And what do you have? You have God's people and God had a plan. And so I see the plan of God being marked out in the book of Genesis by the use of the phrase almighty, almighty. Go with me now. Secondly, let's go to the book of Job. Quickly making our way back to the book of Job, if we could. In Job, we're going to couple, find a couple of verses. Go back to Job 23. Job 23 and verse 16. Here he said, For God maketh my heart soft, and the Almighty troubleth me. The Almighty troubleth me. Back in Job chapter 5 and verse number 17, it was said this, Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth, and therefore despise not the chastening of the Almighty. Another time in Job 27 in verse 2, As God liveth, who hath taken away my judgment, the Almighty who hath vexed my Soul. So now we move from this thought of the Almighty in his plan to the book of Job. You're going to find the Almighty and his power. The book of Job is revealing the power of God. If you want to study a single book in the Bible that teaches you how powerful God is, it's the book of Job. But we typically don't go there to see that. It's amazing to me. You know that Job's made up. We know the story of Job. He's this, he's this man and God, and God says to Satan, you can have at him. You just can't kill him. And so, you know, he takes his family and he takes his health and he takes all of those things. But that was all under where? You see, who did Satan get the power or opportunity to do that to Job from? From God. God had that power. God released that for Satan to do that in Job's life. Now, when we, then we come across Job's wife, curse God and die. Then we see Job has three friends. I don't like friends like this, but Job had three of them. Okay. Job's friend come say, man, you've sinned. Boy, you've got a problem. Why don't you get right with God? And so these three friends, they rebuke him and they rebuke him and they rebuke him. 
And then when you get done with that, you got this young guy that steps on the scene and he said, I've been waiting for all you old guys to quit talking so I can talk. That's Eliu. And Eliu begins his conversation with Job. Here's what I want to challenge you with. You remember this in this book, 32 times the Almighty is mentioned. Here's the challenge. Each one of his friends in Eliu used the name Almighty against Job. Each one of them claimed the Almighty, the Almighty, the Almighty, the Almighty. And Job comes back and Job then says in Job 23, this is Job. Look in verse number one. Then Job answered and said, So Job's, they've all talked. Everybody's talking. They're all giving their opinion. Look back in verse number 17 of chapter 22. It says, which said unto God, depart from us, and what can the Almighty do to them? Look at verse 23. If thou return to the Almighty. Look at verse 25. Yea, the Almighty shall be thy defense. Look at verse 26. Then thou shalt have delight in the Almighty. You know what? Job then says in chapter 23, I know... I know who has troubled me. It's the Almighty. But then you really realize, flip over with me if you would to Job 38. Job 38. I love to read the book of Job because it's man talking to man and most of the time that's really not a good solution. It's really oftentimes not a good place for encouragement. But I found when I got to Job 38, I read this in verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job. And you know what the Lord is going to do? The Lord is going to speak. Lord Almighty is going to say to Job, Job... It's me. And I have the power to do what I'm doing. And I have the power to do what I've done. I have the power to do what I'm doing. And I have the power to make it different than it is. Because in Job chapter 38, look at verse number 3. He said, gird up thy loins like a man. For I will demand thee an answer. Job, I want you to answer me. I'm going to give you some things. I want an answer. Gentlemen, how would you like God to ask you these questions? Where was thou when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the fountains thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut up the sea with doors and it break forth as it had an issue of the womb. And chapter 38, chapter 39, chapter 40 is God saying to Job, I am almighty. So Job, I want you to know me as the almighty. Look in Job 40. Job 40 and verse 1, moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, shall he that condemneth 
with the Almighty instruct him. So what do I find? I found in Genesis, I found that God has a plan. I found in Job that God has the power. Go with me to the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is the last time that these, this word is used in this form or fashion this many times. And what do we find in the book of Revelation? The book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, go to, uh, go to chapter number one and verse number eight. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is, which was, which is to come. Mark the phrase, the Almighty. Go to chapter four and verse number eight. Chapter number four and verse number eight. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about them. They were full of eyes within and they rest day and night saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. Almighty. Go to 11 and verse number 38. 11 and verse number 38. Oh, I got it wrong again. Verse 17. Revelation 11, verse 17, saying, we give thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which are, which was, and which are to come. Now, here's what you need to mark. The Almighty, there's three things about him, which was, which art, which are to come. What God's saying here is, you need and I need to understand the character of God because God has a plan. And God has the power to fulfill the plan. And God has given us promises with the plan and the power. Now, how does that equate to you and I? You know, Acts 1.8. He has a plan. He's promised power. Psalm 126. He's given us a promise of blessings. What am I saying to you? The God that you and I serve, if we would see him as the almighty, we would see what he has done and we'd see it so that it is an example for us that it's going to be done. When God gave the great commission, he didn't give it to not be accomplished. He gave it to be fulfilled. He didn't give us something that we couldn't do. Not in, he didn't give us something power-wise we weren't available. He didn't give us something material-wise that we could not accomplish. God wouldn't, didn't give us a greater assignment than which we can fulfill as a church. So the question then is, are we, do we see God? Do we see him as the almighty? Do we see his plan Do we see his power and do we see his promises? And if we see him and recognize him, it will affect our manner of life. It will affect how we do what we do, how we treat others the way we treat them, how we reach or don't reach. 
You see, the character of God is what will make the greatest effect in your own personal life when you have the right relationship with him. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your word. It's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And Lord, tonight, if we could just see that one characteristic. You did not show yourself to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob as Jehovah. But you did show yourself as Almighty. And so, Lord, would you help us to see you as Almighty. And as we see you as Almighty, we'll understand you have a plan, you have power, and you have the promises. And thus, we need to be involved in your plan, we need to work in your power, and we need to enjoy your promises. Thank you for your love. That's in Christ's name. Amen.